Yeah, we're getting ready for the restart of the NBA season. Hope you had a great break. Kyle, Breaker had a, a, Kyle Draper had a great <laughs> break. Did you hear the story shared earlier? Please jump in if you need to correct me, Kyle. Go he ahead. was all ready to take the kids to Cabo, and the night before they're going, he realizes their passports have expired. The night before, yeah. he has to tell the tearful kids, we can't go to Mexico. Then he figures out, well, maybe we could go somewhere else. Saves a vacation, makes plans to go to Hawaii and have a great time. Incredible. That, you know what? Incredible. On my grave or at my eulogy or whatever it is, like that needs to be brought up because I went from the lowest of lows, heartbroken, kids crying. I felt like I lost my puppy. Like it was that bad. And to pull off a Hawaii vacation Mm -hmm. seven hours before. Very affordable at that, right? The bills haven't come in yet. I don't, you know, it's it's so bad. I don't want to even check my bank account right now. Like I've been avoiding looking at my bank account. Because you still have to pay for the other trip with right. down the road. <laughs> Not like there's a refund involved. Oh my gosh, man! It's uh, hi. This is Kyle Draper for whatever you want me to promote. I I you know what <laughs> your boy. Oh my gosh! I can't tell you, Whitey. I just can't tell you, man. <laughs> How bad I felt, how bad I, 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 like I said, I have not looked at my bank account. I don't want to see it. I, don't, I It may be Who negative cares? right now. It's I just don't money. know. But the kids had a great trip. That's it. That's all That's that matters, it. man. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Spoiled kids. What I'll tell you what. Great story. You can never accuse me of not loving my kids. Uh-huh. Like, this is one that I think when they're 20, 30, 40, they got... Like, they should repay me the rest of their lives for pulling this one. No, I don't know your your kids, but it sounds Better to best. me like the way you described your daughter, the impression I got was that she knew that you really were struggling with it all, and she made a point of telling you what a good time she was having in Hawaii. Oh, like, yes. That yes. is she, awesome. I can't tell you how many yeah. thank you dads. Yeah, see, that's This great. is awesome. The trip of a lifetime, like, it was, it, I mean... Yeah, and she's very appreciative. So That's, is my son. Sure. You know, she'll send me a text. Thank you, Dad, for all you do. Like, it's all love. Just yes. a little awkward when her friends asked, how was Mexico? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, about that, about that. Like, can you imagine, Whitey? Well. Like, the kid. you know how kids are. They get super excited over everything. And they were fired up. Mexico. They were going out of the country for the first time. Mm-hmm. First time using their passports. And you too, you had your you had your eagles. My eagles, whatever Sarape. you call that thing. Yeah, I was I ready, man. That. I was going to wear that. I, I bought a sombrero at the local Walmart. I was ready, <laughs> dude. I was ready for Mexico. And uh, around 9, 30, 10 o'clock, I looked at the kids' passports and realized it had expired. Now, back in the day, you used to be able to travel to Mexico without... Yeah, a passport. Yeah, just had a birth certificate or ID or whatever. But you know, mm-hmm. not recently. Right. Last few years, you need the passport. And so I, I did an audible. I told you I was uh, Peyton Manning, Omaha. Kill, kill, oh, kill, 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 kill. Yeah. kill. Yeah. <laughs> the blitz is coming. Right? So I did a check down, and the check down just happened to be to Hawaii. Touchdown. Not, not, not a bad fallback plan. It was. Yeah. It was amazing. It was tremendous. 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 It's a great story. And uh, glad you're back with us. Glad you had a great time. Unforgettable, unforgettable trip. (laughs) 
Yeah. You know, one of the things we've talked about a lot in the first half, Mike Brown talked about this yesterday, referee errors. Yes. It seems like NBA referees have made more errors or more glaring errors. It seems like things are out of control. So, you know, we just had Ty Lue coming out and saying, the referees are cheating. <laughs> and Mike Brown going on, what, at least a couple of rants, yes. right? One was not really a rant, but he made it clear how he felt. So now we have the NBA Senior VP of Referee Development and Training, Monty McCutcheon, coming mm. out. And uh, he says um, that in general, uh, the refereeing, they're, they're, it's been better. He says there have been fewer incorrect calls. Quote, errors are down about an error per game. He cites the NBA's mm. independent grading group. Um, free throw attempts down slightly to uh, fouls to scoring has ticked up this season. McCutcheon insists that's more about the evolution of the game than the way it's being officiated. He says it's the way teams are playing. They're playing very efficiently. But he says, um, yeah, Missed calls, bad calls. He says, oh, they're down about a call a game. That's according to the NBA's own <sighs> research. Doesn't seem like it, does it? It does not seem like it. And I'm not, you know, I'm part of the NBA. Kings employ me, but I'm not buying that. Not when you had a two-minute report. What was it? Last week against the Phoenix Suns. And, you know, last two minutes, everything was perfect. You know, every call, even to Devin Booker over the back on our boy DeMontis Sabonis was a call. Like, uh, you know, based on their review, which we know now has proven to be flawed based on the two-minute report. And so, and, and, and the thing with the two-minute report and with this report that you have in your hand, you can massage things and, you know, you could say marginal contact on almost anything. Mm -hmm. You know, marginal contact to me is not an absolute thing. What you consider marginal, marginal, I might not. I think that's the key to this whole thing. Yeah. McCutcheon says contact. This is an NBA referee. Mm. Contact does not mean a foul. Now that's runs counter to everything, everything. we've ever thought yeah. we knew about basketball, right? Uh, let's see here. You had, um, Edwards frustration came after getting no whistle on a late drive against the thunder replay appeared to show Shea Gilgis Alexander hitting Edwards arm as he went to the rim in the last two minute report. Uh, the contact was ruled marginal, marginal. and the non call correct. McCutcheon stands by that decision. This is an NBA referee quote. Basketball is a contact sport. Hmm. The difference is, of course, the difference between legal and illegal contact. So you're right. The this officials are look. saying, right. yeah, he got hit, but it was incidental. It's legal contact. Where the rest <laughs> of us, especially, that's why you see so many players going, right, he right, hit me on right, the arm. Right. And the yeah. officials there are like, yeah, but it wasn't a foul. Well, okay, well, if hitting a guy on the arm is not a foul, right. what's a foul? And how are you going to know just sitting there watching it? And, and... You know, if you could, Whitey, go back for me and and read what they said regarding was it the like one correct call more per game or what what was that wording? Quote: Errors are down oh. about an error per game. An error per game. Yeah, he says it's it's how teams are playing. They're playing very efficiently. They're playing smart basketball through the coaching and the analytic information. They become much more in tune to what is good basketball. Somehow that's. I don't know, that's contributing to the appearance that the, the officiating is poor? 
<laughs> what, what, what I don't buy is that I don't think they're going back and looking at there are a lot of missed calls. And I don't think the missed calls factor into this because I can't imagine that they go back and look at every second of every game and say, nope, that should have been a foul. Nope, that should have been a foul. And so what you see, you know, and you just brought it up, when players feel like they were hit, they throw their hands up and yeah. like, what about those calls that weren't called? Like the non-calls. Mm-hmm. Sure, the ones you call may be correct and the errors may be down at least, but what about the ones you miss? Well, he's talking about this play. Anthony Edwards goes up, and this was, I think, they won a game, and he still said the officiating was terrible because he went up and he got hit on a shot. Yeah. Uh, if Anthony was going up with two hands for a layup and we see contact, but there's no hitch, there's no rhythm, uh, you just power on through. We think that's the appropriate that's, that's balance. Bad. That's bad. We do have defensive players who are inclined to contest at the rim, which we know is great basketball. That's, that's bad. That's NBA, a quote. That's so Monty, that's, that's, oh my gosh. that's one explanation, no matter how you feel about it, of why we have these two differing views. Because mm-hmm. you have coaches like Mike Brown saying, this is a foul. Yeah. And the official's going, yes, contact is not a foul. Wow. Yeah. That's an incredibly it, slippery slope. It's a big time gray area, right? You yeah. Know, this marginal contact is an, an extreme gray area that that's the problem I think the NBA has. When people at home... And people who actually play, and Mike Brown said it, don't know what's a foul and what's not a foul. Mm-hmm. It should be universal. This is a foul. Mm-hmm. But even Mike Brown said the referees, one minute they tell him one thing, the next is something different. And, you know, the Malik uh, foul when he, you know, tried to go straight up, it, it's just, you know, it, it's too many, too much gray area in the NBA. Yeah. Um, it's interesting you mentioned that, too, because McCutcheon talked about verticality. That's, which is another thing, right? People say, um, it's verticality. Uh, merely having your hands up does not turn the play into a verticality play. A verticality play is about getting to a spot first, having the rights vertically to that space. It's often then a positional play, meaning you get to a spot first and then you await the offensive player coming to you and you have vertical rights. Yeah. So in a blink of an eye, they're looking at this and they're establishing who is there first. And yes, there was contact, but it was marginal contact. Mm. And the rest of us are looking at going, that's a foul! <laughs> that's the problem. Nobody, We don't know what a foul and, and what isn't a foul. Yeah. The players don't. The coaches clearly don't. The people at home don't. The fans don't. And I could argue... What one official considers marginal could be different from another official. That's absolutely true. And, and that's and, and you yeah. can't have that gray area. Yeah, in, in so there. whack. Is that a foul? Well, if he's official, it's a foul, but if he's official, he's not. It's not. Right, exactly. And just going to have to deal with that. Uh, when we come back, Jason Anderson from the B on what we know, what we don't know about De'Aaron Fox's injured shoulder. Drive Guys continuing here on Sackdowns. Hearing from a number of people on chat, text line, fans who obviously are struggling with uh, what to make of the officiating. Uh, it looks like the NBA tried to address this, but I don't know that they really made things any better. Not a, made it worse. Mm-hmm. Like, it, 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 as a fan of the NBA, it frustrates me. They just need to shut up. Just zip your mouth. Don't mm-hmm. say anything. Two-minute report, Monty McCunchin, just, just be quiet. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on to our next guest, who uh, I think is the first reporter who actually found out from De'Aaron Fox that he was uh, injured, although we all knew it. Outstanding Kings beat writer from the Sacramento Bee, Jason Anderson. How has your break been, Jason? It's been pretty good. Um, yeah, it's a little bit of a 
little bit of a break. Um, still have the sports editor duties, sure. and we're in the thick of like high school basketball stuff. So Joe Davidson's out there running around like a madman. Um, so there's always plenty to do, but it's it's been nice. Uh, you know, having having a little bit of extra time without the games. I, I was going to go to Indy for the All-Star game and uh, decided to pull out of that when, when Domas and, and De'Aaron weren't going. So, um, yeah, I actually did get a, a little bit of a break to, J- to recharge a little. Sure. Jason, uh, what do we know, what do we not know about De'Aaron Fox's shoulder injury? We don't know much. Uh, we know it hurts. We know, you know, we've seen him uh, many times, like, kind of kind of move and, and grab the shoulder um, when, when I think he gets uh, when he gets bumped a little bit and, and it gets irritated uh, I asked him about it yesterday he, he started to talk about it and so I kind of took the opening to, to ask him a little more and um, he said it, he described it as minor he said it, it hasn't been serious enough to, to get the MRI and, and figure out exactly what it is um, so you know we don't know if there's there's a strain or a tear or a, you know, there's, there's any number of things that it could be. Um, and, and so we, we really don't know what that is um, because it sounds like they haven't gone in and looked at it real closely, but he didn't seem overly concerned um, about it. He, he, he did describe it as minor. Um, he also said it was something that five days wasn't going to fix, but he doesn't seem too concerned. And at this point, you know, I think we just have to take him at his word. Uh, Jason, how much do you think it's impacted him, though? Because we look at the numbers, and he's shown some flashes, a couple of great games right before the All-Star break. But how much do you think, you know, physically the shoulder has impacted him? How much do you think he needed this All-Star break? Yeah, I think the All-Star break really could be really good for him and, and this team. Um, they they all are dealing – not all, but like Keegan said, everybody in the room yesterday had something that they were dealing with. And, and you know, that happens over the course of a season. Uh, with De'Aaron in particular, you know, it's hard to say. Like, clearly it's affected him at times, but it's not it's not the only thing he's dealing with. You know, and it's so I think it's important to remember it's the right shoulder, not the left. Um, he's, he's a lefty. So, you know, if, if I don't, I, I'm not going to assume that it's affected his shooting or anything like that. Although it may be, maybe it has, uh, we saw some pretty big fluctuations in his numbers. Um, like in November, December, January, um, they, you know, he went from being like an MVP candidate early in the year to where his scoring average was down to, I think about 22 points in, in January. So, um, you know, I, I think that, among other things, um, you know, he had an ankle. He's had a little bit of a wrist issue at times where you'll see him grab at the wrist. So these are bumps and bruises that these guys deal with. De'Aaron's always been, um, you know, been a tough guy and, and played through a lot of that stuff and really doesn't say much about it even. Um, so I think, you know, cum- cumulatively, they've all taken a toll um, and, and may have contributed to, to slowing him down. In addition, just being tired and worn out the way that guy plays you know i can't imagine running up and down the the way he does and and, um i think his body has taken a little bit of beating over the year and um i think he could be rejuvenated coming out of the all-star break jason anderson with us from the b if i may jason i want to circle back to something you told us Uh, i think it was i think you were the only reporter uh in the locker room up in portland and i remember you were telling us about darren and you said you were worried about him yeah. Um, can you, uh, how, where are we with any of that? Is there anything more you can tell us about whatever was going on there? 
Well, that was it. Was actually Phoenix, Phoenix uh, when I'm I got sorry. back from Phoenix. Thank yeah, you. and um, and yeah, you know, at the time it was it was kind of in the middle of that that weird thing with the the media blackout and and just not granting any interviews for like 16 days. And um, it it you know there was a the, yeah there were a couple of times I saw him and and his his he just didn't seem to be in the same kind of spirits that um, that that we had seen more recently. Um, it kind of reminded me of going back a year or so before the Domas trade happened where he, I don't know, had, had kind of withdrawn a little mm-hmm. bit and just wasn't himself. Um, and so that's where, that's kind of where I was coming from where, when I said I was, I was a little bit worried about where he was mentally. Um, but, but really he's been, um, once we got through that period and, and things, you know, worked themselves out and, and, you know, he's been, um, having conversations with us again, like he's, he's been fine. I mean, he's been great. He was in great spirits yesterday. Uh, he was in good spirits before the break. Um, drapes. I think you're right. I think we saw right before the break, some pretty explosive stuff from him um, where he, like, I think in that last Denver game, he went up and tried to just jack one. Right. And I think he, he missed the dunk, but like the, the explosion uh, was there. I mean, in the, in the legs and everything else. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think he's, he's worked through, uh, well, whatever was going on there, um, and and I think he's in a better place now. Thank you, Jason. Jason yeah. Anderson, Sack B, joining us here on the Drive Guys, Sacktown Sports, eleven forty. Uh, what can you tell us about Domas and this illness? Uh, anything to be concerned about, or anything like that? Yeah, I don't really know what the illness is or um, how serious it is. Whether it might linger a few days, but um, you know, it's certainly an issue going into the game tomorrow if if he's not going to be able to go. Um, you're going to have to deal with, with, uh, Wimbenyama without, uh, without Domas out there. I think otherwise that's a really good matchup for them, uh, given, you know, Domas's strength and the way he tends to kind of, kind of bang against lighter bodies, um, so to speak. Um, so if you don't have him, that's an issue for tomorrow. Then they have a couple days off before they go to LA to play the Clippers. And then uh, they'll have Miami on a back-to-back Monday. Um, so I, hopefully, you know, for the Kings, a couple of days will be enough for him to, to get better and, and get right. Last season, as you well know, the Kings came out blazing after the break. I think they won five in a row, 11 to 13. Right. Do you think they're in position to do something like that again? Yeah, potentially. I, I, you know, again, I think Fox will be rejuvenated. I think, um, you know, I think the break will be good for some of the other guys too. Um, their schedule is you know, fairly favorable over the, at least over the last 28. Um, they're going to play 17 of those at home. Um, you know, whether they can win 11 of 13 or not, I don't know. I mean, that's, you know, but, but it was a big surprise when they did it last year because that schedule was daunting coming out of the all-star break. And, and really the question was like, can these guys hold on to, to where they are? Um, and, and not only to hold on to it, they, they kind of solidified themselves as a, you know, a home court team and a, a top four seed. So um, that, that period was really, really good for them. And if they can come out and kind of hit the jets, as uh, Mike Brown might mm-hmm. say, um, yeah, I could see them uh, rolling off some wins. Hey, that's some music to our ears. Jason, when you look at it, we know Fox, we know Sabonis. Uh, who needs to be an X factor? You th- who are you looking to this last 28 games to help propel this team to the playoffs? Um, I think I'd point to... I'd, honestly, I'd point to, to everybody in that supporting cast. I mean, Domas and Fox took turns carrying this team over the first half of the year. Um, Keegan's shooting wasn't right. Kevin's shooting wasn't right. 
Harrison was uh, shooting was fine. It just the the attempts weren't there, and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't putting up numbers. So you know, you look at those three guys. You look at Malik uh, to continue doing what he's done. I think he's the he's probably my top six man of the year candidate right now. Um, and and you know, you hope you can get more of the same from him. Um, and and really, I think you know that's your core, and and those are the guys you need to lean on. You need Kevin to, you know, continue to shoot the ball. Uh, better as he's done recently um keegan to to guard and then and then you hope that um some of that offense can can be there too um he's going to be a really special player if if he puts those two things together at some point um but you know one it's interesting i've got a story coming out tomorrow that i'll you know i'll I'll pitch here a little bit to you guys but it's offense and defense in sacramento i feel like this is a huge discussion since training camp mike's been urging defense um and we really hadn't heard from monty much until recently uh but but monty comes out and and clearly offense is at the top of mind for him he's he's like we were the number one offense we've slipped we need to get back there and so i really did a deep dive on uh what the numbers say where they're at offensively where they're at defensively what mike's saying about it what monty has said and you know i think it's a i think it's a fair question to ask are they seeing completely eye to eye on, on that, um, that discussion, Monty and Wes and those guys have built this offensive juggernaut and, you know, Mike being the, you know, the veteran coach with, with tons of playoff and championship experience wants defense. He says, that's how we are, are going to win playoff series down the road. Um, and, and so I think it's a really interesting conversation to have and look at, at you know, what everybody wants here from this team. And it, it's probably going to be a big factor down the stretch because, you know, if Mike has achieved what he wants to achieve with them defensively, um, and, and, you know, he said something interesting yesterday that if their three-point defense wasn't so bad, they would be number eight in the league. He said if they were just average, they would be number eight in defensive rating, um, which is fascinating to me. And, and, you know, and then the free throw issue, which we've all talked about, he says they'd be top ten. In, in offensive rating as well. Hmm. And so <clears throat> if you can resolve those two things, if you can get work on those closeouts and defend the three-point line better, convert at a higher rate uh, from the free throw line, you may finish the, the, the year uh, top 10, you know, at least over the last 28 games in offensive and defensive rating. And if they can get there, they're going to be cooking, I think, going into the playoffs. Jason Anderson with us from the B. I'm glad you brought up that whole issue of offense, defense. I think it's one of the absolute keys to this whole group where they end up with the, you know, the the front office and the coach. And I really appreciated that you asked Monty about that uh, at his post uh, deadline presser when you brought up that question, because that's something I've been wondering about too. So thank you for that. You mentioned Malik and I think I'm getting ahead of myself here. How tough do you think it'll be for them to keep Malik given the limitations uh, on what you can offer him based on the salary and, and the contract that he's under now. Yeah, that's it's hard to read the tea leaves on that. Um, I've tried to tried to have that conversation with Malik a couple times, and and he really doesn't want to sure. get into anything um, until you know the off season. You know, I don't potentially it it could be difficult, um, but given that you know they didn't go make a big move and take on like another big long term salary at the trade deadline. I think that puts them in a position at least to put their best foot forward in, in those discussions. Um, I don't know if they, 
you know, there, there are probably some teams that are going to come after Malik and, and maybe be able to offer a little more money, although there's not, there aren't going to be a, a lot of teams with a lot more money. Hmm. Um, that's mm-hmm. an important factor yeah. in this yeah. is I think it's limited to, you know, five or six or, yeah. or whatever the number is of, of teams that are really going to be able to go higher um, or much higher. But, Teams may come at Malik and, and say, we want you to start for us. And that may be uh, that may be a decision, you know, that him and his agent and, and the people around him will have to make at that point. So, uh, really, I don't know. I, I wish I had a, you know, I, I wish I could tell you more. But I, I think that's, yeah. that's kind of up in the air, and, and that's going to be a big uh, big factor going into the offseason. Don't need to tell you for great Kings coverage, uh, SACB and SACB.com, Jason Anderson. Thank you, Jason. We appreciate it. See you tomorrow night. Appreciate you guys. Have a good evening. All right. Uh, Coming up, Chauncey and Coop, are they Hall of Famers? Next, Mm. Drive Guys, Sacktown Sports. Interesting conversations with Jason Anderson from the B. I know it's premature, but the Malik stuff's really interesting, Kyle. Yes, and we were talking uh, off air. I mean, they got to bring them back. They got to find a way. But if somebody offers them... Starting role, yeah. twenty five million, whatever yeah. it may they be, can't, they literally cannot match can't it. match that. Yeah. yeah, and that that would be tough because you talk to people. There's some thought that he's the heart and soul of the team, you know, and he's a big part. I mean, you got Fox, you got Sabonis, Keegan, arguably Malik's your fourth most important player, mm-hmm. you know, because of some of the intangibles that he brings as well, and so uh, and. His connection to the community, too. Like, the fans love him here in Sacramento. It seems like he wants to be here. It does. So it does. It, it's going to be some uh, tough conversations this offseason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He seems to be not only understanding but embracing yes. um, the whole concept of coming off the bench and, hey, if we win, we all win. And that seems like he very genuinely believes in that. Right. But, you know, he came here and he proved to the rest of the league how good he was. It's funny because he played to me last year like a guy that was showing everybody, I've always been this good. You just didn't know. Right. It wasn't oh, me. It was right. you. He, he always had yeah. that confidence. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so, uh, and he seems to be getting better and better. Like, you know, he's having a career season. And so I hope they bring him back. I, I hope we can afford to bring him back. Mm-hmm. One of the things that came out of the uh, weekend, the All-Star weekend, we found out who the Hall of Fame finalists are going to be. Jay and I kicked this around a little bit yesterday. Uh, basically, it comes down to four players in addition to some other contributors mm-hmm. and coaches. Uh, we've got, of course, the former Sacramento King, Vince Carter. I think he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I think, I think so. I, I, I think so. Yeah, then we got Walter Davis, Michael Cooper, and Chauncey Billups. You have any thoughts on those? An interesting mm. class. To me, Coop is in. I went back and forth on Chauncey yesterday. Chauncey Billups and Walter Davis, to me, two guys that are really, really good players. Not quite Hall of Famers, but I would put Michael Cooper in there. I mean, they're like right at the yeah, line where yeah. you would draw it, right? I I probably would put Chauncey Billups in. I'm looking at his stats here, and, and it's not about the, a five time All Star. Got the ring. Got the ring. Finals MVP. Ah, here we go. Three times All NBA. Two time All Defensive player as well yeah and so yeah. i would probably uh give chauncey billups uh the nod you know on initial thought michael cooper should be in uh koopa loop lakers great teams uh Bench player five-time uh champ 
five to eight time all defensive. Yeah, he was, he he should be in. Uh, uh, that's that. That's all I got to say right there. Defensive yeah. player of the year, eight time all defense. Yeah, he deserves his to be job. In. Was right. it was kind of like when the Warriors played the Cavs yeah. every year in the finals. Iguodala's job was whatever you do, just be right. ready to guard LeBron right. in the finals. And Coop's job was you got to guard Larry Bird in the finals. Yes, just, and he did yes. a really good job. Right, and, and you know we're having this discussion. You know we had it. Should Andre Iguodala be an all-star. And I said no. Hall of Famer, you mean, right? Or ha- yeah. Hall of Famer. I said no. Four-time champ, two-time all-defense. Michael Cooper's a five-time champ, eight-time all-defense. There, There's different levels. And so I would say, yes, Michael Cooper should be in. Yeah, I think so. And I think you, I've gone back and forth on Chauncey. I didn't realize that, uh, yeah, I forgot about the finals MVP and yes. all-defense. Yeah, pretty solid. Pretty solid. Yeah, and, and you know... Once you get a finals MVP, like Iguodala has one, but people say, really, he shouldn't have got that. Nobody is saying Chauncey shouldn't have been the mm-hmm. MVP of that Pistons team. Yeah, and, so, and that was that Pistons team. Yes. It kind of even has more value. Right. They were such a surprise such champion. Such a surprise champ. No stars, really. You know, really a blue collar. I, w- I would put Chauncey in. I think Chauncey, too, you got to throw in, and I know this is – you know, we don't think about this, but he was a McDonald's All-American. Mm, you're right. That all you know, is, when you're like in the basketball, basketball hall of fame, basketball that all matters. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, you got to throw that type of stuff in there, too. Yeah. You know? I mean, if you scored 12 points in, like, a pickup game when you were in seventh grade, <laughs> basketball <laughs> hall of fame, like, yes, yes we look at that, yeah, too. Let's count that, it too. Counts, so, yeah. you're yeah, right. Too. He's, like, a two-time All-American. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, right. yeah, that stuff legit. counts for that's basketball. That's legit. Yeah. Uh, who on this Kings team, if anybody, do you think will end up being a Hall of Famer. I think Mike Brown will. You think so? Really? He has to win one as a co- head coach, though. Well, he absolutely does. He he has to. Yeah. Yeah. Look at you're rethinking that. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. You see yeah, yeah. that slip out. Or, or, you wish you could take or, that back. But, yeah, he, he has to win multiple, I think. As the head coach. You're probably right. All I'm right. assuming he's going to win a couple here. <laughs> but man, you know, a I, I think the interesting one is, and I brought it up last week, and I was listening to uh, our boy Antonio Daniels, friend of the show, and him and Rick Camlet were saying, DeMontis Sabonis, continuing on this trend. I know you brought that up. That's really interesting. Should, I should never be a Hall of Famer. I had never considered that before. Not that I'm saying, oh, that's ridiculous. It's just like, whoa. Right. I never thought of that. But he is putting up. Hall of Fame uh, numbers when you look at it. And I'm not just talking about here in Sacramento. You're talking about a guy that averages 19 points. And and, and I'm going to just go over his last five years or so. He's a 19-point, 12-rebound, six-assist kind of big man. Like, that's Hall of Fame numbers. Like, Mm -hmm. that's... Well, and I know he's not averaging 30 or anything, but just his rebounding, his assist numbers as a big man. I mean, he's a three-time All-Star. When it's all said and done, he might be a five- or six-time All-Star. And so, All-NBA all last year. All-NBA. the league in rebounding. All those the little league. things that matter, those counting stats, yeah. or at least those awards that you win. He just has to probably do what he's doing now to be a Hall of Famer for a few more years. He's 27, right? so yeah. you know, another 5 6 yeah. years. Yeah, yeah, why not? 5 6 years of this would do it. I, I think so. I, I think he's trending uh in that way. And so uh I think Domas uh the interesting one is DeAaron Fox. Because 
if Fox continues like this and he's putting up numbers, uh, it's going to be hard to keep him out. But does he have to have some sort of postseason success, uh, MVP, uh, eight-time All-Star? Like, think about it. He's only been an All-Star once. Yeah. He got robbed, you know, some people say, including me, he got robbed this year. And so – does he need to be a five or six time All Star to make it to the? He has to have something. I mean, just Gotta, look at with Chauncey, what you went to right away correctly. You know, yes. Finals MVP and All Defense. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. At some point, so this team has to have some big time success for these guys. And I know that we're way ahead of it. Yeah. Our, the game, but since we were just talking about a Hall of Fame this weekend, uh, this team is going to have to have some real success for those guys to have true uh, candidacies going forward. Yeah, it can't be a one and done like. These guys need to make the playoffs and, you know, make some deep runs and be there for the next four or five years, you know? And I just like Mike Brown, and now I feel I like, know. It's like I want him to be a Hall of Famer. You wish you could take that back. Oh, I want it so he's bad. been a part of some great teams, but I don't think being an assistant coach on great teams is going to get you in. He really? has to do it himself. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt, but if he can guide the Kings to a championship – that's Hall of Fame worthy, in my yes, opinion. You yes, know, yeah. turning around this franchise, and, and so, but he needs to do it himself. Yeah, you're right. On his way. I'm sorry, man. I'm, I'm, no, no, you're absolutely <laughs> right. It's like I blurted it you out. You blurted like, it out. Why oh, did, no what? doubt. No, that's a first ballot. You know, and then you're like, oh yeah, maybe not. <laughs> the most amazing tidbit that came out of All Star Weekend is next. Okay. As we wrap things up here, drive guys on Sacktown Sports. Jay, have you watched the Bob Marley documentary yet? I have not. Jay saw the movie over the weekend. Oh, you saw the movie? Yeah. yeah How I was saw it? it? Was it good? <laughs> I was waiting. Oh, uh, uh, six out of ten. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Damn. That's just, disappointing. Yeah, a little bit, huh? Yeah. And I, I told Whitey this, and I'm I'm not spoiling for anybody because obviously it's a brand new movie. I just think they could have given a little more of his history his upbringing ah they yeah. really it was more of a period piece like right. a, a five-year kind of stint where they expressed or excuse me they showcased you know him making exodus for the most part ah yeah hmm. that's disappointing man i wanted yeah. to go check that's it I out i told now. about a documentary i saw that i think is is probably way better than than the movie uh anyway i hope you get a chance to check that out uh question for you guys maybe you've seen this at espn.com um, what do these coaches have in common besides the obvious? They're NBA coaches, but uh, you got Jamal Mosley, mm-hmm. okay, uh, Willie Green, mm-hmm. Ime Udoka, Darvin Ham, and Monty Williams. What do you think they have in mm. common? Something they can all do now. Give me one more time. Yes. Names, one more time. Jamal Mosley. Yes. Willie Green. Okay. Ime Udoka, yep, yep. Darvin Ham, Monty Williams. Hmm. Something they can all do now. They can all do now. Yeah. They'll be eligible for the Hall of Fame. (laughs) They are among the confirmed dunkers in the league's coaching fraternity. They can all dunk. Ah. Ah. Okay, I get that. Monty Williams. Yeah, I can. Darvin Ham throwing it down. Like right now? Yeah, he can dunk Oh, like now. Not in their playing days. You're talking at this moment. Yes. Wow. Still capable of dunking. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Some of those guys are in great shape, man. Mm Mm-hmm. Like Willie Green and... Man, they can still get up. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, there's an article here. 
uh, about NBA coaches who can still dunk. So I was checking to see if I any Kings assistants or anybody popped up. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't see anybody. So Doug can still that. dunk. I've seen him dunk it. Doug can still? Doug yeah, Chrissy? Still okay. I don't know if Mike Brown ever could, though, right? I mean, we know he's headed to the Hall of Fame, oh, no. but I don't think he could. <laughs> I know he I know he, he might. Played. Yeah, I think Mike could dunk back in the day. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that was, uh, huh. So I guess <laughs> I guess Jamal Mosley, the Orlando coach, was like a really good dunker. And Monty Williams is 51, and he can dunk. And he can still dunk, huh? Yeah, there's a, there's a picture right there of him. Oh, wow. Mike went to San Diego? Yeah, he's yeah, a right Torero. Center. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Yes, he's Triple a Torero. Chicken. Yeah. Um, did you hear uh, the story that Tyrese Halliburton told over the All-Star break about Woj? No, what? Uh, I thought this was amazing. What do you think? Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, of course, was kind of the face of the All-Star game because he plays for the Pacers. The game's Indiana. So he told a story about when he got traded by the Kings and not a lot of hand-wringing about, oh, it was terrible. But he just said he he – Found out from his representatives that he was going to get traded. The Kings let him know, hey, uh, you, you could be traded here, but they, they wouldn't tell him who to. So Halliburton's on, um, he's talking to his agents on the phone. They're being weird. They're not answering our calls. Weird stuff is happening. That's what Halliburton's agent told him. So then uh, they're like, we, we just don't know who the team is. And I'm like, says uh, Halliburton, who could it be? It, is it Philly? And then he says, there's this voice that says, I think it's Indiana. And it was, whoa. <laughs> oh, wow. So he's talking. He's like, who is that? <laughs> I'm talking to my agents. <laughs> and they didn't know. And, and Woj is on the call and says, I think it's Indiana. What? He says, Woj is everywhere. Woj is. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> his quote, I'm thinking I'm on the phone with my agents. And it's like, Woj is on the phone. Long story short, five minutes later, I got traded. That just goes to show you Woj is mysterious. If you don't know where he is, he's everywhere. Oh, my gosh. That's why Woj is one of the best at his job. That's that's, that's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. So, basically, Woj broke it to Tyrese. And his agent. And, and his agent also. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. That, that's good stuff. That's yeah. good stuff. I guess those guys, they get the info right, and it's like, then they got to give them something back in return sometimes. Right, or, right. That's yeah. how it works, right? Quid, quid pro quo. Yeah, yeah. You scratch my back, I scratch yours, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Yeah. That's hilarious. The All-Star Weekend finally, finally, uh, finally over, and now we can focus on basketball and the Kings tomorrow night and the San Antonio Spurs, but we don't know whether Domas is going to play as the Kings come out of the gate for the second half. Yeah, that's tough, too, man, yeah, because you you want, you know, you mentioned the stats, what, 11 out of 13 last year. Yeah. You want them to come out raring to go, you know, and, you know, when you look at the upcoming schedule, this is uh, one of the easier games, you know, in terms of strength of a, a, a opponent, mm-hmm. and so... And we had Jason Anderson on earlier this hour, and, and he was right. Like, this is the kind of matchup Domas usually dominates, those thinner, you know, um, less beefy big guys. And so, and we've talked in the past, too. You know, when you look at Domas, there isn't anybody on the team that can replace him, that does what he does. And so do you have to change your offense to an extent 
and maybe a, a little more traditional Malik Monk at point. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, more a traditional point, right. getting guys involved, setting you guys can't up. can't run the offense through JaVale or Alex Lynn or something. Right, right. It, it's totally it. different. It's totally different. So I think, you know, he's probably the one guy that's irreplaceable on this team, you know, and uh, obviously we had all-star break. I don't know where Domas went, but, man, this is the time we talk about the stretch run where you want everybody raring to go, and for him to be doubtful, which means he likely won't play tomorrow, that's a big blow. Speaking of centers, our um, Sacktown Sports Kings insider, Brendan Nunes, was on yesterday, and, and you can see it at SacktownSports.com. Mm-hmm. One of the things he's writing about is it would behoove Mike Brown and the Kings to settle this backup center situation. Mike Brown, as we know, he goes back and forth depending on matchups. Sometimes it's JaVale. Then you see Alex Lynn plays for a few games, then he doesn't play. And Brendan says, if you look at the numbers, the team plays much better when Alex Lynn is on the floor. Mm. So he says that's one of the things they need to get, well, not necessarily straightened out. He just says they would benefit from being more consistent. What do you think of that? And then also we had somebody yesterday who said, hey, they need to put Sabonis on the floor with uh, Alex Lynn, which I know we've talked yeah. about all year, and I know you don't sailed. like right. it. That ship has sailed. That's that's not going to happen. You know, a double big lineup. We saw it briefly in that Milwaukee game, but that was because of who Milwaukee was and it what they had. just exacerbates your defensive problems, right. doesn't it? Exactly. We, we have struggles now keeping guys in front of us. Now you throw out there two seven-footers. It just doesn't make sense to me. Um, you know, I would like to see more Alex Lynn because here's the thing I like about Alex. He doesn't hurt you. You know, he's a high IQ player, stays within his game, doesn't try to do too much. You know, uh, he's sort of, you know, a coach's dream. He'll do what you ask of him. And, you know, we've seen him in spurts, you know, look impressive out there. And so maybe if Domas can't go tomorrow, you turn to an Alex Lynn uh, in Mm -hmm. that starting spot. And Alex Lynn's a solid passer, too. You know, he's not DeMontis Sabonis, but he can be sort of a facilitator, not as much. A willing passer, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, I I could see that happening. What he did last year where he didn't play, didn't play, and then end of the year he started playing a little bit, and then he plays a lot against the Warriors and was productive. Uh, To me, that is so impressive. Yes. Not only in terms of just being physically ready, but having that attitude where, okay, I'm playing now. Right. And then playing well. That's that that impresses me. Uh that's being a ways, professional, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Guys that don't play and no matter what team they're on, and then when and when it's their times like, all right, we need you to play now. And they produce to me that it's very impressive and as you say, very professional. Very professional. Somebody the coach can always count on. And so uh, if Domas can't go out, I, I look to see him uh getting some minutes, you know, and, and to Brendan's point, like here we are, twenty eight games left to go. Mike Brown keeps going, is it JaVale? Is it Alex Lynn? You know, I'm sure those guys would like to know. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I'm definitely the backup center. And I I think, you know, by at this point in your season, you should know who you are, who's, you know, what players you have and your rotation. And you could tweak it here or there, but depending on matchups or a, a hunch or a gut. But, you know, hopefully we're done, you know, guys in and out of the lineup couple questions for you, Drapes, here on the uh, text line here. Would the Kings be a better team if they had a Dylan Brooks-type player <laughs> as a starter and Herder off the bench? I've always been an advocate for Dylan Brooks. I've always thought this guy would be perfect for Sacramento. 
And, I, you know, I don't know if Herter's off the bench or would Dylan be the three. I don't know about all that. But in terms of his moxie, in terms of his compete level, in terms of his nasty, we talk about who's the defensive, who sets the tone defensively. We really don't have that. Dylan Brooks would do that. And I know he comes with some baggage and everything. I'm not saying anything. But you don't don't have to. Because I I know the listeners are saying, thinking, oh, man, that guy Dylan Brooks, trust me, Dylan Brooks would be an addition for this King squad. And a couple of good questions on Malik from the uh, 530. Why can't they pay Malik that much from the 209? Can't you go over the cap and just pay the luxury tax and pay him whatever he needs? No, um, I, I think we only have his partial bird rights and, you know, based on the NBA salary structure or something like you yeah. can only pay him. I think yeah. it's a max of four years, 80 or something like that. That's about like what that. it is. And yeah. that's contractually, you are, you're limited yeah. as far as what you can offer him. Right, right. And 14%, you can't go over 14% of. And it'd uh, be like 17 something yeah. the first year. Yeah. And I think it comes out to about 80 over four. Yeah, 79, and 80, it, yeah. Yeah, that's what I think a lot of fans are going to misunderstand. If it comes to that, it's like, why don't they pay him more? It's like, no, given the that he signed a mid-level deal, a two-year mid-level deal a couple of years ago, there's only so much they can offer. Right, yeah. By, by rule. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, hopefully that's enough. Yeah, You know, yeah. but if somebody comes and offers $25 million, it's, that'd be hard to turn down if I'm Malik Monk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's already, that, that ship has sailed as far as what they can offer. Yeah. But as Jason Anderson pointed out, and I know Chris Watkins told me who the teams are that could – uh, pay them more that have cap space. And it's not a really impressive list. Like, I think Atlanta, Orlando, some teams like that. So, yeah. yeah. Not a whole lot of teams with yeah, money right. out there like that. Yeah. 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 So, uh, we'll see you tomorrow uh, out at the arena. Yes. You on play-by-play tomorrow? Play-by-play tomorrow, Ooh. yes. Wimby how, in town. Yeah. How do you how do you call a game? Well, you've done it before. I've done it. I like Wimby. I've done it. I yeah. rely on my notes I had uh, earlier this season. I yeah. was down there in San Antonio with them. Uh-huh. I'm excited, though. I'm fired up for this one tomorrow. What do we need to see from the Kings tomorrow? <sighs> a win! Limit the Spurs three-point shooting. How about that? 33%. three-point shooting team? I don't think they are. I don't think they are. So no excuses tomorrow. (laughs) Yes. All right. Thanks for being with us. Good to have you back, Drapes. All right. Uh, Stick around. More coming up right here on Sacktown Sports.